Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are my co-hosts, Dixie Cochran. Hello. And Matthew Dawkins. We meet again, Mr. Webb. Meet again mm. for the last time for the first time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully never again. <laughs> um so we got to talking as a group. <laughs> did we? We did, <laughs> well, the three of us. Ominous. This feels ominous now. <laughs> and but, Based on what we were discussing before we started recording. <laughs> sorry, audience, your performance is not up to speed. <laughs> we're sorry to say that we're ha- we have to let you go, audience. Um, You've not been hitting the targets we've been setting for you. Right, our arbitrary listener metrics have not been as much as we'd like. <laughs> yeah, what you need to know is we're the kind of business that tracks performance. And that means you need to be sat at your desk for a certain amount of time per day. We are, of course, going to keep track of how often you go to the toilet because it would be stupid not to. You could be doing anything in there. And frankly, we want to know about it. <laughs> Keep doing drugs for all we know. Well, that Keep yeah, that's drugs. that's what I meant. While listening uh, to the podcast. Oh, well, if you're listening to the podcast in the toilets when you should be doing work, then I say all power to you. Have a have a promotion. <laughs> you are a member of the Onyx Path Elite. You are now senior listener. Congratulations. Yes. Not senior listener, that's uh, <laughs> another guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Um uh, we were, we were, you know, trying to plan out uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, and you know, we weirdly had gotten spoiled because for the past year our topics have been pretty straightforward. Okay, this month we're talking about this game. What can we talk about in this game? Uh, and then, obviously, the past couple episodes have been lots of like, let's talk about the upcoming Kickstarter with Pugmire, and then let's talk with Rich about uh, what games are coming up. And we realized we haven't really, in well over a year, had an episode aside from Breenmus. Breenmus. I don't count. Um, uh, where we just kind of talk about our connection to gaming. Yeah. Right? Uh, because one thing that we like to do on this podcast is, is we're, this is never going to be a super polished professional corporate podcast, partially because we're no good at it. Are you uh, saying we... that I don't edit this well? I think I polish <laughs> this podcast really nicely every week. <laughs> Damn it, yeah. I don't know if Fuck. I call that damning um, phrase just damnation from Eddie. <laughs> abort! Abort! <laughs> well, now that we know what you really think of us as a co-host, wow. Eddie, how's your other podcast wow. that you'd run with Chris? <laughs> Chris my well... <laughs> There's even less editing in that one. Don't worry. Don't, do not do not be threatened by that podcast. Uh, uh, last I checked, we have like 12 listeners, so I mean, do, don't. But However, if you're curious to check out John Rollis with me and Chris Bybee, feel free to do something. He has to get that plug in, doesn't he? <laughs> wow. Na- next, he'll be telling us how he worked on the Toon RPG. Um, but no, I mean, like... Uh, <laughs> future it... Armor Mobile game. I know what Eddie Webb's like. Yeah, <laughs> well, to be fair, I did work on a Armor Mobile game, although you can't get it anymore, so ha! There's that. <laughs> it's no longer available. It's a collector's item. <laughs> Somehow. I mean, it's digital only, so if you can collect it, I guess you saved it on your iPad that didn't I've got an NFT of the future on the mobile. Oh God! Yeah, you invoked NFTs. <laughs> um, but no, the 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 podcast has always been about the three of us, right? It, it's it's we have guests on, we talk about stuff, and we talk about stuff that we work on because we work on this path. But at the end of the day, it's also about what we like to talk about, and we all work in games, mm-hmm. and so naturally, the things that we consume as gamers are going to influence us whether consciously or subconsciously. And not just talking about tabletop role-playing games, you know, board games, card games, uh, mobile games, like Futurama, uh, video games, you know, what have you. Uh, you know, these are all things that I kind of seep into our heads. So I thought it would be good to kind of, A, take a rare opportunity to have an entire episode that's going to be rambling. Mm. Because... Again, Breenmus, even though it was technically off-topic, we still had an agenda, which was we have to follow the movie and comment on it. Well, that was you know? a challenge, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I didn't follow the movie at all. I, I, I screwed that agenda up. I had to write... <laughs> I, I, if anyone here listening is on the Onyx Path Discord, I did write up a summary a couple of you weeks did. after the Breenmus episode, and I'm not sure it helped. I, I think I was actually more confused after you wrote it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, still got a great deal of admiration for that man, you know? He's an actually, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to pull it up now because I actually want to see if I can read. Okay, here we go. So, to, to synopsis for for the Breenus episode, 
Breen and Breen 2 were abducted by aliens as children from stock footage and then returned to Earth to do good things as superpowered humanoids. That's accurate. Breen does good things, Breen 2 does bad things, and loses his superpowers. He also wears a fake beard. Yes. Breen protects American <laughs> soldiers, pets, hawks, or maybe eagles, and blows up factories and can jump really high with some terrible special effects. Yeah, I wasn't sure. what I couldn't remember what bird of prey he was petting. Uh, I don't think even he knows. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was a blue screen he was petting. I think it was a hawk of some sort. Oh, I think okay. it was a falcon. Hawk. Yeah, it could have been a falcon. Sure. Hmm. Burb. There was a gladiator, you know, on TV. <laughs> right. Gladiators called Falcon, but he wasn't uh, meeting her. Breed 2 abducts and tortures corrupt executives, including one with a fake mustache who shows up later as a different character. With the same fake mustache? Yes. I still have no idea behind that. Uh, th this is the only part of the movie where I think, is this deliberately bad? <laughs> because for all the myopic <laughs> uh, I guess Auturnus of Neil Breen even he must be able to see this person's moustache is a strip of white tape with a moustache drawn on it <laughs> how can, can you not you Yeah, well I don't know I don't know and it's, it's confusing and distressing can you just imagine him filming it in the moment and being like we'll fix it in post <laughs> like there's there's no post. Well, there's I, no thi post. I, I think uh, yeah, th those special effects of him jumping up several floors were in fact practical effects. Right. Um, <laughs> As he, he got tinier and larger yeah. <laughs> to show he was getting farther away. He's just a closer. very he's a super powered humanoid. What? How was that not clear? He has like but, an Ant Man power type situation. Going exactly. On. Yeah, and he has a twin with a fake beard. Uh. Anyway, so. An alien pimp named Kizix with a distorted voice, three cat sculptures, and a bowl full of diamonds wants something, but it's never clear what. I have put Kizix in the world below, but that character. Oh my god, you have! <laughs> uh, you don't want to get well, sued by the mighty Neil Breen Empire. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? I don't think we've got the OGL to worry about. I think it's Neil Breen who's really going to be breathing down our necks, breathing down our necks. No, it would be the it would be the uh, NBL, the Neil Breen license. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, that's pro that probably exists with all the written by Neil Breen, credits. edited by Neil Breen, <laughs> yes, distributed Licensed by Neil Breen, by Neil Breen, legal advice by Neil Breen. The Neil Breen <laughs> RPG will use the OGL. Oh my God! Subvert it. I'd like to see Hasbro take him to court. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he appears three times, portrayed by two different actors. His role seems irrelevant to the quote-unquote plot, but according to Wikipedia, he's in charge of the evil corporation. This raises the question of whether Kizix is one of the aliens abducted Breen and Breen to his children, and if so, why he's now serving corrupt ends. Yeah, I, I thought that was the biggest open goal, uh, a plot hole, if you like. <laughs> yes, in, in... that was the plot hole. Well, uh, that was the only part I had to go to Wikipedia to look up, because I, uh, when we got to the end of Twisted Pair, uh, I still didn't know what purpose the alien was serving. Uh, I, I gathered that Breen's wife was in league with, I guess, the evil globalists or whatever the hell it was, the bankers and the politicians. Right. But I didn't know how the alien played into that. According to the Wikipedia summary, the alien was behind the sort of NWO that existed in Breen's in the Breeniverse. It's, so it's I've I've checked out like I did during the movie. I don't know mm. what's happening. <laughs> it was somehow about AI at the end. Oh yes, right. I had forgotten about that. Uh, so I mean, to the point is that we we made an attempt, an attempt was made to try to understand that movie. Uh, we failed, but still there was a, a goal and a plan. Even if the plan failed, it still existed. It was what Christmas uh, is all about. I think anyone who didn't watch Twisted Pair on Christmas Day was uh, missing out on the spirit of the season. <laughs> what spirit better gift? Yes, what better gift could you deliver your family than making them sit down and watch Twisted Pair? Oh, no. <laughs> Make being the operative word here, I think. Which still sounds like testicular torture. There's no oh, way of no way no. around it for me. I hear Twisted Pair, I think, ah! Sports it's, injury. It's 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 a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in the spirit of nothing we just said, uh, let's talk about <laughs> games that have interested us. We've been playing. We've been working on. We've been running. Whatever. Matthew, why don't you start? Because I know you actually run a lot of games through your uh, Patreon. Boy, do I! 
Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I do. Uh, Why are you asking yourself? You know the answer. Do I? I do. <laughs> I don't know. They all blur into one, but the the Patreon seem fine with it. You know, it's it's an odd thing uh, because from time to time I'll see people uh, on our Discord as well, who um, not my Discord, the Onyx Path Discord, who uh, don't let's say agree with the idea of professional GMing, uh-huh. and and. And oddly, I don't think there's such a thing as professional GMing, uh, despite the fact I run games and get paid for it. I was but about I to think, say. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why. It's an interesting mental block. Uh, it's. I think I can definitely run a game well and confidently, uh, while also listening to my players and you know doling out the occasional personal plot point that allows them to feel invested. Um, so it's not just some big big existential story that I want to tell, and lucky you, your bystanders. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, and I, I hate to be reductive, that that is the big difference between running a game for people uh, as, I guess, as a form of service, as a form of, of paid entertainment, than running the game you would normally run straight out of the book, not that I ever do anyway, but I'm sure some GMs do. Right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I run quite a lot of games for my Patreons. I think there's seven a month now, uh, along with my at-home games. Uh, it is it is still my primary hobby as well as my work, and I don't have much of a divide between the two. Luckily, that I've never been burned out on RPGs. I know I'm drifting off on tangents as I'm talking. Apologies. No, this is the episode for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I, I am very fortunate that I enjoy what I do for work, but I also... It, but doing this for work has not impeded my ability to do it for fun. And so I currently run Delta Green, Alien... Uh, I run Wraith the Oblivion, Werewolf the Wild West, I run The One Ring, I run Call of Cthulhu, uh, I am running Eclipse Phase for Patreons, I'm also running Eclipse Phase in person for my regular group. Nice. Uh, I did have a They Came From game running until very recently as well, so I stay, I guess, creatively active. <laughs> it's it's a drain. But it's also it's an enjoyable one because I much prefer running games to playing them. Uh, I am a horror. I'm not a horrible player, but I'm a very impatient player. That's so weird to me. Like you're like the only person I've ever heard express that sentiment that you'd rather run games than play them. Well, I mean, it's just as well that I do because otherwise, running this many games a month would be hell. Uh, but I. I I get more enjoyment and I relax more, in fact, running a game than I do playing a game. Uh, I find portraying that many NPCs, facilitating players' stories, all of that stuff, uh, a much more enjoyable experience than playing a single character, playing along someone else's narrative. And maybe it's a control freak aspect in me, I don't know, because I'm not a terribly Mm. controlling GM. I'm just someone who can't necessarily derive enjoyment from playing the same character for three hours in a row, three to four hours. Uh, mm. I get, I, I'm quite happy observing other people role playing while I'm in that seat. So, like when we were doing Crossroads, Continent, and Rich was running, I was more than happy to sit back and and watch uh, Eddie's insect uh, do insect-like things. <laughs> Uh, but when it comes to me, I feel a certain amount of pressure to perform as a player, I think, that I don't as a GM. Uh, which, yeah, I, I get, as you said, Dixie, it's it's a bit backwards, I guess. Uh, but I I enjoy it. It's it's my form of relaxation. Totally. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to get paid to do it. Yeah, so I, just, just to go back and touch on the professional uh, GM thing, the reason that I say that like people can like 
I was always told back when I was like first doing art and stuff on the convention circuit and when I've done, you know, I've, I've been in bands that have played and whatever. And it's like, you're a professional, whatever it is, if somebody pays you to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if they want you to do it enough that they're going to pay you. Mm. So like, I don't feel like a professional writer since I don't have any like, you know, books published under just my name, but I am one. Yeah. Because I've written books or I've, I've written words in books that have been published. Um, I have I have sold artwork, so I'm technically a professional artist. Is, is it my sole profession? Is it my main profession? No, but it's something that I can call myself that because people are willing to give me money for it. Mm. Right, and that's how I feel about the whole GM thing. Like, if people are willing to give you money for it, then you're a professional GM. Like, that's that's fine. It doesn't mean that you have any more expertise than anybody else. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just means that people are paying you to do the thing. Yeah, and I think because people can play in role-playing games for free, mm-hmm. that develops a certain reticence to pay for it. Um, but likewise, you can listen to live music for free if you turn up in a bar at mm-hmm. the right time and there's a band playing. You still have to pay for drinks, but you don't need to pay con- contribute towards the musicians directly mm-hmm. anyway. Um and, you know, theatre in the park. You can take it to any kind of entertainment extreme or any well, kind like, of creative extreme. Yeah, I can watch uh, I can watch Hamilton on Disney Plus anytime that I want to. Yeah. But I also paid money to go see Hamilton in live last October because mm. it, it's a different experience. And sometimes when it comes to people who do GM as often as, like, you do, I, I might get a more interesting experience at your table than at somebody's who's only ran a few games. Well, and so sometimes they're willing to pay for that experience, you know. Well, and I really appreciate you saying that because I, I've, I had one person sign up to my Patreon something like two years ago, uh, who, well, signed up, then sent me a message and said, "I just want to know what am I paying for mm-hmm. exactly." And I outlined, you know, well, we play a game once a month. Uh, they generally last three to four hours in. in in duration, I'll speak to all of the players in turn, make sure we're blah, 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 blah. Um, they came back and said, what do you do in terms of virtual tabletop? Do you create your own maps? Do you create your own handouts? Do you do mm-hmm. this and that and the other? And I said, no, I don't do any of that. I Almost every single one of my games is theater of the mind. We don't even appear on camera. It's audio only uh, because not all of my players want to. And frankly, I don't always want to. And uh, I will sometimes create handouts, but more often they will be things like fragments of letters. I will Mm. just copy the text into a Discord or I will record some audio files on Audacity beforehand that you can find during the course of the game, but nothing terribly extravagant. They came back and said, well, I don't think that's a worthwhile use of my money and I'm going to back out. And I said, fair enough. I mean, and and that's that. That's up to the consumer. That's how Ex- capitalism works. Exactly. Good old free market. <laughs> like, uh. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's true, though. Like, I, I have friends who, like, have, you know, side hustles where they do kind of pro GM stuff. Mm. And sometimes people do want to be real weird about it. And it's like, you'll pay $15, $25 if you get a Stacks to go see a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to pay $5 to have, like, a fun three hours. Because that's also weird to me. Well, it's also, I mean, even staying within tabletop RPGs, it's also weird to me because we already, we've already had paid game masters. It's called conventions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. buy a ticket to play a game at a convention. Why is paying the game master directly to run a game different? And yeah. you know, I would actually, at least in my experience, and it may be different for the two of you, I've had far more dubious rates of return <laughs> on paying to play games at conventions than, oh, yeah, yeah. than games I've sought out online specifically because this GM is running them. Yeah. Um, conventions, I pay to get an experience with a game. I mm-hmm. Some people are on the lookout for specific GMs. I know some fantastic ones in oh, yeah. the UK who always get the games signed up. Uh, rapidly if their name is attached to them. But for me, I'm looking to experience a different game because I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that game experience is ruined because the GM didn't prepare or, um, or or just tells a really bad story or has turned up drunk or for any number right. of reasons. Uh, but I like to think that if you're paying for a service someone is regularly delivering, they have a certain quality standard uh, that must keep drawing the rest of their players back, uh, mm-hmm. whereas a one shot is very much a crapshoot. Right, exactly. And I mean, like, like I said, it's one of those things too. Like, no one's forcing people to pay money. Like, no. it's not like you're saying like 
you 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 must give me money to play games like if you want to play games yeah sure maybe you need to throw a little bit of money but like it's your time we're over here you know pushing for 15 dollars an hour minimum wage <laughs> u.s wide and like they don't want you to have that for work you're doing because mm. even if it's fun it's work like we've talked about that before even about making rpgs right like it's fun i enjoy it it's still work and i still like getting paid to do it <laughs> oh yeah i mean and, and i think running for work is actually different like um i loved running the anima thing with you and the polyhedron mm -hmm. crew right that was fun it was, it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed doing it but also, we set out with a very specific work-related goal. Right. We wanted to show off the system. We had to show off certain things. I had to structure an adventure to be able to promote the Kickstarter and the game we were trying to make at the time. Mm -hmm. That that That's work. And so the argument of you shouldn't pay for tabletop role-playing games, I mean, you could extend it to, okay, well, then you shouldn't run tabletop role-playing games for marketing purposes because on some level, we are being financially compensated for our time. Yep. Yeah. So that seems weird. Yeah, no, it's this is one of those issues that like I I find this a lot in, you know, nerd spaces in general. Where mm -hmm. people come down really hard on one side or the other half the time. And then it's like there's a lot of nuance there that just doesn't get explored. Mm. Right. Because like if you don't like paid tabletop games, don't play them. Yeah, and absolutely. If you want to charge your games, then charge for them. And if people don't want to pay that cost, then they're not going to play with you. It's pretty easy. Like, like, like you said, it's capitalism in action. Like, I if uh, uh, so. Here's a weird example. I actually signed up for Matthew's uh, Patreon for a while, mm -hmm. um, and, and really it was just because um, there was a point in my life right before my my big move where I was like, I had to spare ten dollars a month and my goal was i'm going to give a lot of people that i know one dollar a month on patreon as long as i can continue to afford that and so matthew was on my list so I said, and he's like going, do you want to sign up to run games like no i'm just giving you a buck because i want you to have a buck mm -hmm. um just to support you uh and uh but then it, it got me thinking some of the stuff that matthew's talked about over the years about running for the patreon um is that there's a weird power dynamic uh, uh when pay gets involved and i can mm -hmm. understand why some people are reticent because like if you pay to be there and someone starts being a jerk what happens to that relationship right mm -hmm. whereas if it's friends you can go listen you gotta go buddy you need to go figure shit out yeah but i mean if somebody pays for if somebody walks into sephora when i'm working there and buys something and then screams at me they're still going to get kicked out. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I mean, uh, so this is going to be uh, even more decorous than usual. Um, this goes into the customer's always right. Um, Which is not true. Well, not always. Okay, so the customer's always right was, was coined, I don't remember by who, but it was coined in the 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, it was disproven, like, within that decade of, like, no, there's such a terrible way to run a business. For some weird reason, it stuck around for a century of, like, well, this is how you should run a business. Like, no, it, 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 it's been proven time and again that that is a terrible way to run your business. Customers don't know what the fuck they want. Of course, not the listeners. The listeners are very loving people who absolutely have good taste and <laughs> are always right. But everybody else is wrong. So recognize, again, audience has been promoted to senior audience members. You yeah, are nice save there, Eddie. Well, yeah. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but the reality is, is that um, when I say customers know what the hell they want, it's because they don't understand a lot of the ramifications of their need, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a customer can and has said things like, why don't you guys make your own software for tabletop? We have no capacity to make our own software. We'd love to have our own software for tabletop, but we just have zero capacity to make that. Mm -hmm. And it would cost us way too much money. We would not get nearly enough money in return. And it would be a terrible idea. But that doesn't change the fact that the customer wants it. Well, the customer's always right. So clearly we have to try to do that now. It just doesn't make sense. And I think the same goes for running tabletop games. Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I feel like you have to treat it like access rather than a service. Yeah, service I mean, you implies were... I, I get to play X amount of game, X amount of hours, and you can't do anything to me. Whereas access is like, as long as you follow the rules, you can continue to pay to continue to get access to these games. Yeah, you've got a ticket to a club. And, That's if, you a get analogy. Super, and if you get super drunk and start a fight, they're going to revoke your access to that club. And yeah. they're not going to give you your money back. Right, because you're the one that screwed it up, not them. 
See, I, I've uh, I I agree with you in principle. Uh, I've ejected players before from uh, games and more broadly my Discord and Patreon if they have proven disruptive. I typically accompany that ejection with a refund. Um, although n- knowing full well I could keep their money and they'd have very little recourse to reclaim it. Uh, I just don't want the hassle <laughs> that follows uh, of someone saying, well, I didn't get my game this month, but I've already paid uh, because p- payment is taken at the beginning of the month. But yeah, I see, I right. see your point. I think, uh, again, principally, uh, you are correct. Uh, but it's also within the power of the retailer or the entertainer or whatever your role mm-hmm. is uh, to decide, eh, well, I also don't want the admin uh, right. so yeah. Let's send this person off with a uh, a goodbye package. I mean, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Like I said, it's it's whatever you choose to do because at the end of the day, it's your club. You are the mm. club owner, right? So if you would rather be like, okay, here's your five bucks, ten bucks, whatever back. Don't come back here. That's that's also fine. It's, yeah. it's truly up to you. Uh, in my club analogy, I think I've already booked them a taxi home because they're drunk. See, I'm <laughs> right. nice. Oh, I'm you're, nice you're so like nice. That. I am. You know, I, would... I will come back to Matthew's club. Well, you know, yeah. you won't because we've revoked your access. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you can enjoy the taxi ride home, safe in the knowledge that you don't have to pay for it. Got drunk, got kicked out of Matthew's club, four stars. I was say, but you do have to have the embarrassment of coming back to get your keys the next day because you left them there. Ah, yeah. Uh, find, right. find photos of your face on the wall. Do not admit this person entry. <laughs> anyway, that's all we were all talking about at all today. But that is, that, that, that is a, a topic that comes up sometimes that I think is interesting to address. Because, um, you know, we have our monthly game night on Start Playing. And yep. people can charge. We yeah. often recommend they charge because, you know, I want you to make a little bit of money for your time. Especially because there is time spent prepping generally yep. for games. Right. So it's not just the time where you're playing. It's any time beforehand that you spend prepping like i know that my main dm for one of our D campaigns um like he he reads through what our section of the adventure we're going to be doing like two or three times and he draws out maps and he like gets ready with everything right like yeah. he, he preps he also re-listens to our previous session which i'm like i would never want to listen to my previous session that sounds like not fun but okay <laughs> yeah um uh, so to kind of get back on topic maybe sort of Ah, oh, there's no topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, I I've recently been thinking about what attracts people to to play my games, as an okay. example, uh, something to something to briefly discuss. And for a while, I was pretty convinced. In fact, I didn't even think about it for a while. I just thought okay my patreon's there people can see me online uh, because they engage with rpgs they sign up then i started thinking it's because of vampire isn't it people associate me with vampire they want to play with one of vampire's developers there's a bit of a celebrity aspect to it within a within a very narrow niche but how else would i get a chance to play a game with the person developing this game i love mm-hmm. and then i've been thinking or is it? Is there a reputation aspect regarding my GMing? How much of this is based on word of mouth? Who who is being invited here not because of vampire, but because their friends are playing? Yeah, or they and, saw you on Twitch or something, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And very recently, I made the decision uh, for my Patreons that I wouldn't run vampire anymore. Uh, we were in the middle of a Dark Ages camp, Chronicle, in fact, mm-hmm. and I had got to a point with Vampire where I just wasn't interested in running it. I've ran it on and off for the last 20 years. Right, right. And there's only so many stories in me uh, for Vampire for the time being. And especially with the fact that I was coming to a close with my work on Vampire, I felt like, well, now's a good time to really start doing something different. And I anticipated players dropping off the Patreon at that point because, well, we wanted to play Vampire with the person who worked on Vampire. Sure. And in the end, nobody did. Uh, they That's just, cool. Yeah, they just moved into other games and, uh, are, and are enjoying those games. And I have a feeling that like if if my reputation had been to do with Dungeons and Dragons, and I said, okay, I'm I'm packing up D and D now, let's play Alien instead. That would be a wonderful opportunity for people who had only played D and D to play something different. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm constantly trying to introduce other games to my various friend groups, and not not just all the path ones either. You know, um, yeah. but like one of my D and D groups, I have run Pugmire for, which is very fun. And then one of our other ones, my boyfriend ran, ran an Alien game for, um, partially because one of the girls in the group is a really big fan of the Alien franchise, mm. but partially because they just haven't really played as many other games. Our, our our DM for that group has, but the rest of the group, a lot, some, some of them are very, very new to role-playing games. Yeah. So showing them like, here's a new system, like this is a D6 system, it works differently, you know, whatever, is just interesting to do with folks who have mostly just rolled D20 so far. And and I think that is one of the big selling points uh, for me uh, for paid games. Not necessarily mine, although obviously if you want to sign up, my Patreon is easy enough to find. It's that, especially with Start Playing and the games we want people to run every single month, this is a great opportunity to play something you wouldn't ordinarily have a chance to mm-hmm. play. Or run something you wouldn't ordinarily have a chance to play. Something I often say on the Onyx Path news is if you aren't familiar with a game, but you want to get familiar with a game, one of the best ways to get familiar is by running it and occasionally pausing to refer to parts of the rulebook. Because we've all done that. We've all been in gaming groups where we didn't know what a rule was and have to say, okay, let's hold on a sec, I'm going to flip to this page. The wonderful mm-hmm. thing is, and and it always, I wouldn't say upsets me, it, it frustrates me a little that people don't go into these games outwardly saying, I want to run this, but I'm new to it. So I'm looking for people who are also new to it so that we can learn this mm-hmm. game together. The first couple of sessions might be slow, but by creating characters together, deciding on what plot we want to play together and learning the rules together, not only are we going to learn how to play this game, we're also, hopefully, going to form a nice you know, a co-op gaming group. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is my experience of gaming, and it sounds a bit utopic, but most of the time, if I have gone into a game the very first time with a group of friends, and we've all learned it together, that's mm-hmm. strengthened the bonds of the gaming group. Uh, I, I also think, I mean, you can even do, like... Um... I've played in a couple of games where the game master didn't know the game, but some of the players did. Yeah. And as long as you said ground rules, uh, I, I think that can also be, I, here's actually a good example is um, I played in a couple of Pugbear games mm-hmm. and um, one of the game masters was my roommate. Who's like, it's fucking daddy. I don't care. Uh, but another <laughs> one of them was apparently really nervous about running the game I was playing. In, and I was like, so here's what we'll do. I'm not going to correct you or tell you you're wrong at any point in time unless you ask me. If you ask me a question, I'll happily answer it. And I'm happy to answer it privately in front of the whole group, however you're comfortable with. But I'm not here to, to judge you and tell you you're doing Pugmire wrong. I'm here to mm-hmm. play in a game that you are running. And that seemed to ease the burden off. And, and they did ask a few questions I was able to answer and give context for, and people were really appreciative of that. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't have to be the game master is the most knowledgeable about the game at all. I'm completely with you, Matthew. Um, people don't play board games like that. People don't play card games like that. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't research a video game before I start playing it. I just dive sometimes in and start trying stuff. Uh, sometimes, that's fair. I mean, it depends on how much I'm spending on the video game. <laughs> uh, that, that is fair. It's like um, the, there are some games where it's like, okay, this is 80 bucks. Do I really want it? You know, let me do a lot of research on it. Um, but there certainly have been games where Dixie would be like, hey, you like this, and I'll, I see it on sale, and I just buy it and start playing it. So, oh, yeah. no, same, yeah. Um, uh, in fact, uh, just recently, I was playing uh, Dark Deity, which is the, the dullest name for a video game I've ever heard. Uh, but I picked up a, a bundle. There was a strategy bundle on a Humble Bundle. Mm. And uh, I was I had got my Steam Deck, and so I was looking for something to play, kind of just to mm-hmm. kill some time. And they, it, it is one of those that was like verified for Steam Deck. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I don't even know what this game's about. And it's like, oh, it's a Fire Emblem clone. Um, it was basically a, a, an homage to the Fire Emblem franchise, and particularly not the Three Houses one, but the the era before that, where it's all on a 2D map and all that yeah. stuff. I actually went and looked at it because you had mentioned it and then I didn't get it because I don't like that kind of pixely artwork. Right, right. I would rather just replay Three Houses. Right, or the new one that just came out, which is... Which I effort. don't have yet, yeah. 
which I have also been, again, researching because I'm debating if I want to get it or not. I just really liked Three Houses. And so I'm um, like, is it going to be Three Houses? I don't know. I hope right. so. Right. And, and it's not. So very disappointing. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, there have been times at conventions where I've been like, I've got three hours to kill. Let me sit down. And I ended up at Save Against Fear, for example. Uh, this was back when we were still doing in-person Save Against Fear. So like 2017, 2018. Uh, but someone's like, hey, you got time to kill? I was like, yeah, sure. And so I sat down and I played this game. I, I sadly do not remember the name. And I don't even know if it came out because it's a play test. Uh, but it was about what happens if the 80s satanic panic involved actual demons. Oh, okay. And so basically you're going around trying to collect and destroy all of these RPG manuals to prevent summonings as they have a role-playing game, which that's, I thought was hilarious. Great. Yeah, that was a really nice idea. I don't know, I don't envision it campaign-wise, but I can certainly see it working as a one-shot. The way I, the way I understood it, it was meant to be kind of a Men in Black style mm. monster of the week. You go to a different town and yeah. uncover the later latest menace. Yeah, I guess different RPGs are going to be spitting out different kinds of demons. <laughs> right. But it had a like it has a fun little mechanic, um, I remember, which is basically uh for weapons and explosives, you could choose what die you wanted to roll. Mm-hmm. Um and so bigger dice gave you more damage. Uh but if you rolled above a certain number, then that damage applied to everyone around you. So like you could pick out the big machine gun and just tear through a demon, but there's increased chance that you actually tear through your friends as well. Ah, well, here's an idea for a system. We'll have to copyright this. No OGL on this shit. <laughs> Alright, there is a trademark. I don't know. I don't think you can do that with a system. You know Doesn't how law work. works. Does I don't know how bird law works. Uh, but let's say every player starts with a pool ranging from D4 to D20. And how many dice is that? Is that five or six? It's six, isn't it? Oh, let's see, D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, D20. So uh, Six. Six, yeah. Um, so, at the start of every session, you start with that pool. You get to choose which die you roll when you take an action. However, once you've used that die, you can't use that die again until you've gone through the rest of your pool. So that means you can assign a low die to a to something you're not too care you don't care too much about, um, and reserve your d twenty for something that's really important. Um, alternatively, you know you might uh, go all in at the beginning, knowing that later on in the game you're going to be struggling because you've only got a d six and a d four left. Mm-hmm. But once you ru- burn through that pool and through certain special actions and various things that can happen in the game, you might occasionally be able to replenish that pool. So there we go. Let's uh, put a stamp on that. I think that'll be the ne- next big system. We'll call it the Spectrum System. I think there's a system called the Spectrum System. Well, this is the new one. We're calling it <laughs> Spectrum 2.0. <laughs> uh, I, we'll, we'll misspell Spectrum. We'll put a K in it instead of a C. And instead of an E, it will be a three. But it 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 is kind of neat because in a function which you have is like a hand of dice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a game. it's like a hand of cards, but yep. Yeah. And then you can and you you have to play through all of your dice before you can redraw your hand as or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as somebody who plays a lot of like card battler type games, it sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I actually, what kind of card battlers have you been playing recently? Um, I just actually, so there's, uh, of course, the Steam sale happened uh, over the winter, so I managed to pick up, like, eight games, because I tend to use the Steam sales to buy, like, a bunch of little indie games, yeah, rather same. than, like, a big AAA one. Mm-hmm. Um, although, next time the Steam sale comes around, I'm probably going to try to snag Persona 5 Royal, because I've never played Persona 5. Oh, yeah. I, I have it wishlisted, and I keep going, uh, maybe not. Like, oh, 60 bucks, yeah. Um, I have just played through a game called Lost in Random. Okay. Where it's like a kind of, it almost looks like the night, night before Christmassy, like kind of just weird characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you play as a girl whose sister got taken away, and you live in this kingdom where everything's decided by dice, and you have a oh. magic die, and you throw the dice, and that gives you an amount of points you can spend to pay for cards you can play to attack. It's a really interesting mechanic, um, but also the story is just charming. Like it's just a really fun little story. 
Um, if, if it reminds me of anything, like I said, it's it's, it's Coraline, it's Mirror Mask, it's a little bit Nightmare Before Christmas, a little like Corpse Brighty, like it's 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 that feeling, you know. Isn't that the one where the dice are also characters? Um, there that's there is a game where dice are actual characters. Um, right. that's called Dicey Dungeon. Okay, that's very well. Lost yeah, and Random. There is a die who is a character, and he is your companion because the evil queen has outlawed dice so that only she can make decisions. Okay. And you're divided into six cities of people, essentially, based on the six numbers on the dice. Right. So you start off in one town, and then you, you know, you're fighting your way up to Sixtopia, so you can defeat okay. the evil queen. It's it was a really cute little game. Like it didn't take that long to play. Let me look at it. Thirteen point seven hours to beat it. That's not bad. Um, but it was also only like seven or eight bucks. Uh, and it was fun. I I, I had a good time. It was cute. It was well voiced. Um. Definitely something that, like, I just kept seeing and it looked intriguing. So when it was super cheap, I just bought it. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm doing that. Um, that's the main one I've done recently. I'm, try- I'm, I'm trying to look at my freaking uh, Steam right now. While, while you're looking through um indie game that grabbed your attention, actually, that reminds me. I picked up, uh, again, I was on tact- a, a strategy kick. And I picked up uh, Wintermore Tactics Club. Okay. Um, Which is... Kind of in the vein of the game I was talking about earlier, uh, it's set in the 80s, and basically you are a high school club of people who are playing a and d like game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the headmaster is like, okay, there can only be one club in the entire school, so all of the clubs have to have snowball fights to determine who's going to be the top club. Sounds like a logical uh, means of sorting out the winners from the losers. Sure, really. I mean, why no one has thought of this before is beyond me, obviously. I love that. Um, so uh, you're... You play short tactical battles in this D and D world, and then you use you, you you then learn those skills and adapt them to the snowball battles you have to have. And so, um, it, it's interesting because, like you know, again, it's kind of early '80s aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, um, and um, there are kind of it's not card based, but it is point based. But you still choose kind of which powers you want to use when, uh, and then. Um, you are fighting clubs like the Equestrian Club, who actually, um, in a previous regime, uh, all horses were outlawed. So they're trying to <laughs> privately build a new horse in the gym to be able to continue on their goal of being the Equestrian Club. They're building mm-hmm. a horse. Right, they're building a horse. Not a um, horse. Or, or the uh, Mystery Psychics, um, who are, one of the mysteries is why they're all psychic. It's, it's just ludicrous <laughs> yeah, nonsense. I like it. it this, this appeals to me. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually again another one's like 15 hours and if you're in it, it, it it's it's not a hard strategy game if you understand the basics of most strategy rpgs you'll probably get along pretty well on this mm. yeah so the other so this, this is not a card battler but the other game that i played over the holiday break that really is stuck with me to the point where i'm probably going to play it again soon is pentiment yes you were telling me about pentiment yeah uh, yeah dark ages disco elysium which is underselling pentiment well it's, it's really it's, it's 16th century it, murder age. mystery bavaria it's all done in the style of an illuminated manuscript uh-huh. um choices matter it is largely just a visual novel like like that's why i compare it to disco elysium because you're walking around talking to people and making choices hmm. um there's no like action gameplay but the story is phenomenal yeah. It is incredibly well researched because the uh, gentleman from Obsidian who developed it is just a medieval history nerd. So it's it, it's really well researched. They actually got like one of the foremost experts on illuminated manuscripts to consult on it. Wow. Um, and it takes place over the course of three acts. I don't want to give too much away past that, but you play as a young artist named Andreas, and you are there hanging out in the abbey working on your 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 art and stuff and uh shit goes down um because it was it, it was a tumultuous time in bavaria in the 16th century uh because this is when like you know the holy roman empire is starting to lose its grip on everything um but if you're a history fan if you like games that have really cool artwork um if you've liked games where choices matter and games that have replay value because one thing that i i, I like about pentiment is that for the various mysteries you're solving there's actually no right answer it's just whatever you choose in your playthrough yeah so it's a kind of ambiguous game which i enjoy um but i love that game like i i want to play it again soon it was I, really really good i think we're uh, this may sound like an odd 
piece of praise, but we are mm -hmm. very blessed right now in the gaming community to have games where people well schooled in political theory in the form of Disco Elysium and and history, mm -hmm. uh, specifically in a certain part of the world, but who knows how broad their historical knowledge goes, are translating their enthusiasm and creativity into games. Yeah. Because it's so easy to make of both subject matters entirely dry and inaccessible. But now there are going to be people coming to games like these who have absolutely no no normal interest in these subject matters mm -hmm. and they will be learning about them through gameplay through visual novels if you want to look at them like that through role-playing games if you want to look at them like that mm -hmm. and i think that's what ttrpgs can be really good for as well they don't have to be it doesn't have to be an objective and i'd almost say that when it is the objective it often misfires uh, but if you can sort of layer in your enthusiasm for a subject matter into a game so that the people playing it learn something a little uh, then I think you've done you've done some good work yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me um, you saying that reminds me uh, there's a game I've been meaning to play I haven't gotten around to it um, 1979 Revolution mm -hmm. um, which is about the Iranian Revolution mm. uh, and it's not a subject matter I've ever even knew about outside of anything. I, mean, I never even knew about this revolution at all, let alone being topic for a video game. And I think you're right. There's this interesting moment of people who are taking these very specific topics and turning them into compelling, immersive experiences. Um, that That's really, really exciting. Yeah, it used yeah. to be, in, in tabletop RPGs, it used to very much be the purview of very slim indie rpgs in well that's not true gurps always had a very i guess keen approach to to releasing source books about specific periods and trying to make them interesting but they only really became i guess in vogue with games like dog eat dog and gray yeah. ranks and uh, and such like you know they were still quite fringe concerns but you could go to those games and play them and feel like you'd learn something but at the same time when i uh, i'm obviously a big fan of eclipse phase mm -hmm. uh, eclipse phase handles things like um well issues like gender politics philosophy uh, obviously the transhumanism aspect at its center mm -hmm. uh, it's got a very hard sci-fi angle uh, to it as well uh, so incredibly well. Uh, it's one of these games that, to my mind, is rarely surpassed in how well it's written in a captivating way. Mm -hmm. uh, now, obviously, I aspire, and I know we all do, to make our own games like that. And I think in many cases we've managed it. Uh, but I can always single out uh, Eclipse Phase as a game that, you can just sit down and read and enjoy and learn something mm -hmm. while you're while you're doing it. Um, it's certainly not a lightweight RPG, uh, but it, it handles its girth well. Wow! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Adam, put that on the cover. <laughs> Eclipse face handles its, it's girth, girth well. well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my 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 project recently when it comes to gaming has been to play unplayed games in my library because I am a horrible game hoarder. Mm -hmm. Where there'll be stuff on like super sale, and I'm like, that looks cool, and I just never install it. Same. So I'm going Same. through the unplayed category on mine. Now, granted, it is way larger than it should be because my boyfriend and I finally did the family sharing thing. So I've also got all of his fucking games in here, and some of them I'm not going to play. Like, I can't see myself going to play Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered. Just not, no, not a thing no. I, I plan to do. But there are a lot of games in here that, like, I own that I have never played. I'm like, why haven't I ever played this? And it, it is because, like, there was a Steam sale, and I just bought 10 games, and I played two of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so or that's, there was that, a bundle. and Right. So I've been trying to go through and play games that I just kind of had in my library, um, even if it's just for a few minutes, just to see how I feel about it, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I so I it's it's a fun thing to do, but holy crap, there are a lot of games. There's so many unplayed games. <laughs> Currently, according to this, because of my boyfriend's library, I have 120 unplayed games. Like, no, I I don't think that's entirely true, because like I said, like many of them are his, but 
I saw quite a few installed that I've never played. So I've been working on that. I'm pulling up my Steam now because I want to see what my number is. My number is going to be far less than that. I, I don't play nearly as... I don't buy nearly as many video games as I used to, but I, I like to think that because of the sheer number of TTRPGs I run, I'm making a decent dent in the large collection of books that I have. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was certainly a time I'd look at the various games in my library and think, well, why did I even buy this? And now, because I have people paying to play games, sometimes I want to run something I've never run before. And it will, the, the fact that there's a transaction involved almost gives me some justification to say, okay, well, I'm going to spend a couple of hours reading this and learning this and r- learning how to run it well. Mm-hmm. And sure. so, yeah, before this, uh, certainly Alien, uh, I was, I've ran for the first time for these Patreons. The One Ring, exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I know for a certainty I wouldn't have approached the One Ring to run for my regular gaming group. Um, so, and not because of any perceived lack of quality in the game. It's just I'm not a massive fan of Tolkien, right? And I don't think my regular gaming groups are either. Uh, I'm but, not a massive fan of Tolkien, but the Rings of Power was so good that now I'm uh, like I could play One Ring. <laughs> I've still not seen it. I, I'm I'm cautious because it has women characters matthew well in that case i'm definitely not watching what, what kind of <laughs> unlike hobbit 3 that has 38 men yes uh all without names or character and one bear yeah one bear, uh, one bear man. uh no i so i wasn't deeply invested in game of thrones by the end of it and game mm-hmm. of thrones wasn't a show that was cancelled uh maybe it should have been but uh, it has it kind of dulled me to streaming shows until I know that not only is every season available, mm-hmm. uh, that also there is no massive dip in quality because mm-hmm. I don't want to get really invested in something now that is going to take up hours of my time just to have to sit through drudgery in the hope that it gets better. Um, I, there are some exceptions, but most of the time now, I have become someone who will wait for reviews, see what the AV club has to say about a, a series before I start watching it, mm-hmm. um, in, instead of taking the risk myself. Uh, I, I still make exceptions for my South Korean and Japanese dramas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will still, because no one else reviews the damn things. Um, so I, I will occasionally watch them and I'll let you two know how bad they are. <laughs> Save us the effort. Well, they're they're already starting on season two, so Rings of Power will be here for a hot minute. It's also, I think, like the most expensive thing Prime's ever made. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought it was the most expensive television show ever, or did I miss? It might that? be. Yeah. I all I can tell you is that the casting of Galadriel was perfect. Yeah, like, so uh, I have heard she's perfect. I read, I read something like it was a million dollars an episode or something. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I know it's 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 epic. Like it. It, it holds up to the Lord of the Rings movies, which is hard to do in a TV show, you know? But, but it is, is it as good as the barrel ride in The Hobbit? I prefer it. Um, <laughs> Hot take from Dixie. It's a little, you know, it's it's a bit darker in tone than that overall. You're breaking Martin Freeman's little heart. I love Martin Freeman. He's one of my favorite actors of all time, but not that movie. He was by no means the worst part of the Hobbit movies. Oh, the other place that I have unplayed games is Epic Game Store because I get free games from them every week. (laughs) Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. That's all that thing. Speaking of which, Eddie. Yes. Have you played Game Deck? Game Deck. You're like the fourth person to recommend Game Deck to me. Because you're playing a detective solving mysteries in virtual worlds. It's a cyberpunk isometric detective game. I know, I know, I know. I'm only telling you this because it's free at Epic next week. Oh, well, then never mind. Okay, there yeah. we go. So as of January, so two days from now, the definitive edition is free on Epic. I just looked it up. Something to play on the plane? Yeah, there we go. If you can play Epic games on your deck, I don't think you can. Oh. No, uh, there is <laughs> a way to sideload the launcher, but I've not tried it. Mm-hmm. Steam yeah. are going to be coming after you now. Yeah. <laughs> They've got hey. their own OGL. They're going to give me free games on Epic. Like, I know that some people want to get down on Epic. This is like the same kind of hot take we had talking about paid gaming. Uh, People want to get down on Epic Games for some reason I don't understand. I understand wanting to have all your games in one place, 
but that already isn't happening because I have a Nintendo Switch and I have Steam and I've got some things through other launchers because they were exclusive. So I can't have them all in one place. That's that's impossible. Um, and Epic gives me a free game every week and they apparently do give money to the people who make the game. Yep. So like, I'm still supporting a game studio and getting free games and occasionally that means that I will buy something that is an, an, an Epic exclusive when it first launches. But like, that's fine. I don't, I don't see the problem with having two game launchers. It's not that weird to me. I will say, um, for the people who complain about that, um, I actually have found a, a free piece of software called Playnight, P-L-A-Y-N-I-T-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically all it does is it you, you, you sign up and you uh, connect it to all of your launchers and different softwares. And then every time you open it up, it scans all of those and add them all into one interface. And then when you go click on install or play, it then takes you to the appropriate launcher. Um, it's been really helpful for me to be able to go, oh, I want to buy this game. I look and play and I go, oh, I already got that for free from Amazon Prime six months ago. I should yeah. play that instead. <laughs> yeah, now that we're sharing libraries, I have to constantly look and be like, does he have that game? <laughs> like, do I, do I play it? What's, what's happening? Because, of course, during the Steam sale, my boyfriend bought all the high-end Marvel games because they just released, you know, Spider-Man and Miles Morales and everything for PC. Right. Uh, so he's been playing those. And I'm like, well, I'll play them later. You could play Pentiment later. <laughs> right. But like uh, an I, example of this is as Matthew was talking about, oh, I'm playing this game called Overcooked. I'm like, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I looked and turns out I had gotten it for free at some point in the last year. And so Where are my clean plates? <laughs> Where are my chopped tomatoes? Chopped tomatoes! <laughs> it's uh, it's a stressful game, but one I, I enjoy. I, I, I do sometimes experience the knee-jerk reaction when I see people... So I I did a little bit of work on Swan Song for Vampire the Masquerade, the the video game, and you know wrote the Which I, by night. I just recently installed oh. as a game I hadn't played yet. Now is it a flawless game? Absolutely not. Uh, that's me covering myself. But there then are again, very I'm few not a flawless game games. Exactly. Uh, I'm just a writer. I'm a humble writer. Uh, but when people said, "What? This is an Epic Games exclusive for the first year?" Well, fuck that. I'm not playing it for a year. Part of me thinks uh, my knee-jerk reaction is "fuck you, you entitled prick." If you can't be bothered mm. to download, if, you know, if you're a fan and you actually want to play a vampire game and you really want to play a vampire video game, why are you letting this trivial thing be a, be an obstruction to you? And then I think about it a little more rationally before I post, <laughs> <laughs> right? And think. Oh, fair enough. They can spend their money wherever they like. The game's not going yeah. away. And uh, I get the same way when I see people complain about a game getting delayed. Obviously, Bloodlines 2 oft delayed Bloodlines 2. I've no idea how good or bad it's going to be. My last sight of it as a game developer was way back when I was working on V5, and I've every reason to believe that it's changed substantially since then. Right. And when people kind of throw their hands in the air like they just don't care and say, um, oh, this, you know, this really sucks. This game has been delayed. There is no lack of games for you to play. I understand enthusiasm and I do understand fandom, of course. Uh, I am a fan as well. But you shouldn't let the delay of something's release or even its cancellation. This isn't confirmation of Bloodlines 2's cancellation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have we have no information on that. No. Um, rule your life. That some of the games we've just been speaking about, whether they're TTRPGs or CRPGs or what have you, are fantastic ways of spending your time. And pigeonholing yourself into one fandom where you are entirely reliant on the next release in that fandom is maybe a bit destructive. <laughs> uh, it, it will only lead to you feeling bad feelings when things don't go the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So sometimes, as I say, when, when I see people expressing their frustration, I get frustrated with them. And then I think... Eh, they're free to feel frustrated. It's not really my business. Uh, I can play another game and feel quite happy doing it. And mm-hmm. ultimately, what they do with their time is there, up to them, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They can spend their time on Reddit shouting, <laughs> along with everybody else. Yep. 
But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I have no problem having multiple launchers. I have no problem with things occasionally being ex- exclusive to one or the other because that's how these companies make their money. And, you know, that's... If I want to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla day one, I have to buy it through a certain place and that's fine. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But also I have like... 60 plus free games at this point from epic games mm. like i have i have saved hundreds of dollars on games i would have you know maybe purchased maybe not but i've also discovered a lot of games through that sometimes to the point where i end up going and like checking out that company's other titles right yeah because they are good oh yeah yeah absolutely i liked this one so maybe i'll like all their other titles and what's more i bet those most of those 60 games have been patched Whereas mm-hmm. a day one release <laughs> yeah. uh, has almost definitely got at least one bug you will bump yeah. into. I actually have Dark Deity in my Epic Game Store, I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> so I can play that for free. Because it came out for free at some point. Uh, and, and also, I'm one of those weird people that I will see a game that I really love. Uh, for example, this is The Great uh, Ace Attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, oh, it's... Ace Attorney, and it's set in Victorian England, and it features Herlock Sholmes, who's totally not Sherlock Holmes. Right. Um, I bought it day one and didn't play it for a year uh, because I was like, okay, I'm going to wait for the patches to come out. Um, I had already played through a fan translation of it, so I want to give some distance. Mm-hmm. I still haven't actually finished it yet, but like, I will absolutely, I want to support it day one because I want to make sure that you know, they got my money and they realized there was an, uh, uh, an audience there and a, a, a customer base there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I have to play it day one. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about like Borderlands games. Um, I I always buy them day one. Uh, Assassin's Creed, if they let you play as a girl, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which the next one does not, so I'm not going to be playing that one probably. How many Assassin's Creeds do let you play as a girl? I mean, two or three, right? Two, two. Um, well, there's there's others where you play a girl sometimes, but there's only two where you can play a girl full time. Okay. Um, like the one that's set in Victorian England Syndicate, you're playing right. twins, and right? A, a a man and a woman, so. You can play as Evie as much as you want, but there are some missions where you have to play as her brother, right? Right. Um, in Origins, I think you can play as Aya, who's my ex-wife, like main character's mm-hmm. wife, um, who's also, I think, an assassin. I haven't played it. Don't come for me, nerds. Um, <laughs> but in Valhalla and Odyssey, you can play all the way through as a woman. It's it's the the reason why there are no women in Assassin's Creed is obviously because there were no women. Uh, during the time of the Crusades, yeah, it's in true. history, yeah, w- yeah, women uh, didn't exist. No, no, they're a myth. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's myth, amazing myth. the human race <laughs> that the human race survived as long as it did. Thank goodness for the assassins and Templars, is what we have to say. Because if it wasn't for them, we oh, my house is on fire. Ah, oh, no, <laughs> it's because I invoked the words assassins and Templars in the same sentence. One of them's coming for me now. Um. Oh. <laughs> so so while so while Matthew burns down and escapes the assassins, I think we can call it there. Uh, uh, oh Matthew, <laughs> before you burn end. to death, before Matthew, before you burn to death, please tell us where people can find you online. Well, if they want me to burn to death, they don't have to contact <laughs> me; they just have to wait. Uh, they can find me on matthewdawkins.com they can find me on twitter at dawkinsmp they can find me on the onyx bath discord here there and everywhere they can also find me on patreon at patreon.com slash matthewdawkins if they want to pay me uh, oodles of money to to play games that I'm running I yeah. do I, I charge, you charge millions comparatively of a lot <laughs> I'll say here and now uh, but I see it as I'm. you're basically paying me minimum wage per hour and uh, that adds up when you start mm-hmm. um, running four-hour games. But if you want my attention only for one hour, you can pay me $15 and just uh, show up for an hour, and then I'll kill you. <laughs> or at least your character. Yes, yeah, so this <laughs> fire will spread. Literally, in person. <laughs> and uh, Dixie, if Matthew needed help finding burying the corpses, where would they find you? You can't find me anywhere if that's what you need. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> also, you're the one who's going to be living near Matthew soon, so I can't help you. That's fair. That's fair. But anyway, where do they find you online? <laughs> if you have a anywhere at Dixie Cyanide, you can find me on our Discord hanging out, uh, tweeting angrily about companies that I'm mad at. You know, normal things. <laughs> the usual. Um, and you can find me. Uh, my website is pugsteady, p u g s t a d y dot com. You can still find me on Twitter at pugsteady. Um, 
You can find me a couple other places I posted. You just search around, see what you can find. It'll be, it'll be a, a scavenger hunt. Uh, you can find all of us at theonyxpath.com. You can see find us in the Onyx Path Discord, particularly in the Pathcast channel, where we talk about the episodes sometimes and random shit the rest of the time, just like these episodes, yeah. just in text form and with everybody else involved. So with that, thank you all for listening. Thank you for indulging us in our fun little exploration of just talking about lots of games and whatnot. Yeah. And as always, many worlds, one path. This has actually worked. I, I didn't think it would. It probably stop. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We have to do this all over again. It'll be a different discussion. I don't know. Hang on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just because it has this, ha- this has worked in the past, okay. I'm going to try to reload and see if the files are still here. Okay. It has happened in the past. Because mm-hmm. I can't press any buttons right now.